Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello. I'm Lauren. I am Ken. And this is Paradise After Dark. Dark, 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 dark. Paradise After Dark is a bi-weekly podcast covering true crime. Unsolved mysteries. Missing people. Urban legends and the dark side of the Sunshine State. So first, if you would like to support our show, please subscribe to our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Paradise After Dark podcast. On Patreon, you'll have access to bonus episodes, our spinoff show, Vacation Edition, Discounts on our merchandise and more. Much, much more. If you have a question, a Florida case suggestion, or you just like to chat, please email us at paradiseafterdarkpodcast at gmail.com. So what's the current news on CrimeCon? We are still slated to go to CrimeCon in Austin on June 4th through the 6th, 2021, and CrimeCon UK on June 12th through the 13th, 2021. I'm excited. That's going to be a lot of fun. It is. So if you haven't gotten your tickets yet for either Austin or UK, go ahead and go to crimecon.com for Austin or crimecon.co.uk for the UK event and use code paradise21 for 10% off your ticket. Okay, cool. So what we're going to have for you tonight is part two of our Trenton Ducket series. This is an interview with Trenton's father, Josh Duckett, and we'll just get into it, I guess. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, roll it. Let it roll. For the most part, at this point, 14 years later, like I'm at the point where there's no holds barred. Um, I just, I put it all out there and it is what it is. What's the worst that's going to happen? Law enforcement is going to come and slap me on the hand. On the hand. So we're here. This is Lauren, and Ken's here with me. Say hi, Ken. I am. Hello. And tonight we have a special guest. We actually have Joshua Duckett. This is Trenton Duckett's father. The original episode aired on November 11th, 2019, and we've been able to get in contact with Joshua recently, and he's agreed to talk to us. So hi, Joshua. Hello. Thank you so much for trusting us to talk to us about your son. You're welcome. So tell me about Trenton. What was what was he like? What kind of child was he? Very fun-loving, energetic ball of joy. Uh, always brought a smile to people's faces. Just your typical everyday child. Um, he, he was happy? Very happy. Yeah, that's always a plus. You know, so, that, that that's what makes it this whole case a little tougher, too. So how has it been for you all these years? Like what? Tell me what it's been like. It's been a struggle over the years. You know, we have our ups. We have our downs. We've continued to push forward. I've got a lot of good friends and a lot of good family that support me through all this. And, you know, we've never lost hope. And. Even in the hard times, we still push forward. I've met a lot of good families that are in the same situations that I'm in. And 
it's a family that you really don't want to be a part of, but once you're in it, you never want to be away from it. That's good. It sounds like you've got a lot of support. Absolutely. So what do you think happened to Trenton? It's hard to say at this point. You know, I never thought that I'd be this far in 14 years and no answers, no more than what we had day one. It, it's the million-dollar question as to where Trenton is and what's happened and what's went on. We've always said we prepare ourselves for the worst and hope for the best. And in this case, it's there is no answers. There's, there's no evidence that points to anything negative but there's no evidence that points to really anything. It's truly an unsolved case that nobody has answers to, or at least nobody's came forward with those answers. Do you think there's anybody out there that might know what happened? I think it's a very good possibility. Uh, People have information that they haven't came forward the world's so large and there's so many people, somebody may have seen something that they don't even realize it's relevant to the case and they're holding on to it and they know it in the back of their mind, but they haven't came forward yet. Okay. And what do you mean? Saw something like maybe saw Melinda with him or. Yeah. Saw Melinda with him, saw him in general, saw her away from him. Really, I've always said it's a giant jigsaw puzzle. And until you have all the pieces to put the puzzle together, you're not going to have the complete picture of what went on, what took place or anything. And right now there's so many missing pieces to the puzzle. And once those pieces start to fall into place, then we could possibly have answers. What do you think would help those pieces fall into place at this point? People coming forward with any information, and no matter how relevant or irrelevant they think it is, come forward with it. I mean, it may be one of the many pieces that's missing. It's hard to say. It is. It is. It is very baffling. I was just today, I was going back over all of my notes and, and everything that I had. It's been over a year now since we covered this case. And it just struck me again, like there's, there's nothing. I mean, how frustrating is that for you as, as Trenton's father? It's very frustrating because a lot of stuff took place in the case that diverted a lot of attention away from where it needed to be in my eyes and in other people's eyes that I've spoke to. I know in the original airing that y'all done, Y'all had spoke about the sighting in Bellevue and Marion County law enforcement getting involved in the case and the Wendy's employee seeing her and seeing Trenton. They 100% proved that that sighting never happened. Really? I didn't know that. Put that out into the public because Marion County wanted to be the heroes of the case is what was told to me. They wanted to be involved to be able to solve it, but they actually have video surveillance of Melinda in Leesburg or Oklahoma, one of the two at the same exact time that she was supposedly at the Wendy's drive. Okay. So she was never in Bellevue at the Wendy's that diverted weeks and weeks and weeks of people's attention away from where they should have been focused. And to me, that's very frustrating at the fact that they gave this lady a lie detector and the way lie detectors work is if you truly believe you're telling the truth and you've seen something and you wholeheartedly believe it, you're going to pass the lie detector test. Right. So in this lady's, she 100% thought she's seen Trenton and Melinda in the drive-thru. When in all actuality, she did not because they have that video surveillance showing her at another location at the same time. Where was she? 
Do you do you know anything about believe- where she was that day or the eight hours plus that she that's not accounted for? Not really. And that's the big pieces to the puzzle that are missing is putting that whole timeline together of where she went, where she was at, and all of that. And at this point, it's very difficult to put that timeline together. Where back then, when this all took place, it would have been easier, but months of attention got diverted to the Bellevue and Marion County area when she was never in Bellevue. Wow. I really did not know that. That's that's news to me. But that's good information to put out there because, I mean, I thoroughly researched this and I didn't know that. So the average person who hasn't really looked exactly. into this as deep doesn't know that. Exactly. And, and that's been a big thing all along in this case is, Certain information has been released and certain information has not been released. Um, and that's what we've battled with. To, to be 14 years in, all information needs to be released. There, there's nothing to hide in this case at this point. It's 14 years. And we're well, still at day one. I know a lot of times that investigators will keep some information you know, not release it to protect the integrity of the investigation. But um, is, is there anything that you feel like you can tell us? I mean, I wouldn't want to do anything to jeopardize the investigation, but at this point, like you said, what, what else is there, you know? Yeah. At this point we're, we're 14 years in and, all evidence shows nobody kidnapped her. Nobody physically went to that apartment and took him out of that window. Right. It's impossible. I've been to the apartment. I've been to that window and I'm six foot four and there's no way as tall as I am. I could lean in that window the way that it was described possibly to have been done. It's impossible. We had somebody go with us that is six foot seven. And he couldn't do it without scuffing and scraping himself on the red brick that was around the window. Um, Right. So in my opinion, there's only one person that had the answers to this whole thing. And it was mainly involved in it. And that was Melinda. And for law enforcement to say they don't want other people to look at the case. They don't want to bring in other private investigators or other investigators on the case that aren't directly law enforcement because they wouldn't be able to prosecute somebody. At this point, I'm not worried about prosecuting someone. I'm worried about getting my son back and getting the answers. That's needed. So you're convinced that, she, that Trenton was never in the room that evening. No, I, I don't believe so. And honestly, from all the evidence that I've seen and heard, I don't think he was ever in the room that night. Well, what do you make of Melinda going to the the National Forest? What was Oca- it? Ocoee National Oca- Forest? Oh. Ocala National. Yeah, what do you make of her going oh. there to bringing... I mean, the story that she brought her two-year-old to the forest to shoot a shotgun. Um, what do you make of that? Is that something that would be the norm for her? or? From what I understood, she had gotten into the whole gun shooting and going up there to a... She had went with several people up to a gun range up there multiple times with them. And she was going up there by herself. And supposedly couldn't find it or something. But from what other people have said, she had been going up there quite often to the gun ranges. Okay. So that was somewhat normal. Yeah. That was some yeah, it was somewhat normal. Okay. Yes. Okay. And she was also studying law enforcement, some kind of law enforcement stuff at Lake Sumter Community College. Right. I think, was it criminology? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going back through my notes again. Um, I believe that's what it was. And one thing that you may research, and, and I 
don't really know how to research this, but supposedly one of the lead investigators that was originally on the case was a sponsor of hers at the community college for her criminal class. Really? That's, that's interesting. Where did, is, is that like confirmed or is that just rumor? That is what was told to us by the detectives on the case. Okay. There's, there's a lot of things that went on in the case in the beginning that I don't agree with. Um, When they first came to my house and found me, they wouldn't tell me any information. I got in the car and drove to Leesburg Police Department, walked in, told them who I was and what I was there for. They took me into the back and they interrogated me for hours and hours and hours to where I wasn't allowed to just get up and walk out and leave. But Melinda was allowed to get up and walk out of interviews as she pleased. When they were interrogating her, or questioning her about anything. She didn't like the questions. She got up and left. I but didn't do couldn't? that. I didn't have that. Well, I don't know that it's so much that I couldn't is I had a goal at hand was which was to find my son. And in my opinion, if that's what you're doing, then why would you get up and walk out of an interview where they're trying to find our son? Exactly. Yeah, that, so, that makes sense because what they need to do is they have they have to kind of clear the air with you and then they can move on to the next phase. But you were there just sticking it out trying to say, hey, here's everything I got. You know, look at me, get me out of the way and move on. I mean, that's kind of what I'm, I'm that's kind of what you did absolutely. based on everything I, I seen when we did the research. I lived at the Leesburg Police Department for a month and a half, sleeping in the lobby on the chairs. At first, they believed that I was responsible for it. The lead investigator actually told me about two months after the case started, he said he had no idea it was going to go the route that it's going, and that he told his wife, we have a child abduction. The father came in and took. It's a custody battle. We're going to go arrest the father. Push him, he'll tell us where the kid is, and I'll be home in a few hours. And he said he realized after the first 24 hours that that wasn't the case and that it was going to be a long road. Right. Well, I mean, leading up to his disappearance, I know that it was it was later proved that Melinda had hacked into your MySpace account and sent herself the the threatening message, correct? That's correct. And then, but she used that fake message to get a restraining order. Is that, am I right on that too? Yes. She hacked into my space account and typed the email to herself and sent it. Then she also sent about 25 other messages to really close friends of mine that said, I hated them all and wished that they would die. After that, she filed the restraining order or the order of protection with the Lake County Courthouse. They contacted me by phone and asked where I was. And I asked them what it was in regards to. I actually drove to the state attorney's office in Lee's, or in uh, Tavares and picked up the restraining order that they were issuing on me. The original documents that were filed show that the email was sent from her to my MySpace, not from mine to hers. And it's Uh, still that way at the Lake County Courthouse. So, okay. I'm not, I'm not going to dive any deeper into that because it's not really relevant at this point, but I, I feel like it, it is in a way because at that point, just playing devil's advocate here, she sort of manipulated the situation to make it seem like you were a bad guy and she got a restraining order. And then all of a sudden your son goes missing. It, she, 
it almost seems like it was orchestrated in a way to where you would be the suspect immediately. I mean, is someone from the outside looking in at this would, would think that. Absolutely. And I know the whole history of the whole thing. It was kind of crazy. The, the allegations and then the recanting. Uh, I know y'all mentioned some of that in the first episode that you done. But what wasn't released was that I went back with Melinda because of Trent. I wasn't allowed to see him. She wasn't letting me see him. So I tried to reconcile stuff as much as I could to get to be able to be with him. And at that point, we went to her attorney's office and asked what we could do to kind of like reconcile everything and, and get the court stuff resolved. Her attorney had me sign a one piece of paper, one page piece of paper. And then the very next week, they were trying to press perjury charges against me. For what? The one page that I signed. Uh, for falsifying documents, the one-page document that she had me sign in her attorney's office turned into a three- or four-page document that got filed with the courts. What did the document say? Uh, basically recanting everything, saying that I lied about it all, that it had never happened. And, I mean, there's DCF files that backed everything up. There was actually recordings of her threatening me with Trenton from back then. I had voice recordings on a digital recorder that the DCF caseworker took from me and put in the case and documented it in one of the case files. But then all of the recordings disappeared and Melinda got custody of Trent. Wow. In pertaining to what you said, I mean, it sounds like obviously that, you know, there was like, uh, I don't want to say, I don't want to say mental instability, but what was this something that she was like when you guys were together? Was there always like some sort of animosity or, you know I mean? I, 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 I don't know how to say it. I guess the question I'm trying to ask, you know, because it seems like, everything that she was doing was sort of directed towards like trying to keep you away from Trenton. I mean, was there something you noticed when you all were together that would lead you to believe that, you know, she was trying to keep him away from you and would possibly do something to Trenton? The, the majority of it was the control factor. She wanted to be in control. She wanted to control every situation in life, no matter what it took. She, she wanted to be in control. And in regards like to that, everything she'd done controlled what I'd done because she knew no matter what, when it came to Trenton, I would do whatever I had to. And it continues to be that. Um, like I've told everybody, the, the fact now is Trenton's still missing and we're 14 years later, she's no longer here, but yet she's still controlling every aspect of my life in a sense. Wow. Yeah, I get, I mean, and, that, and that makes sense to me. That makes total sense to me. Her, her suicide, for instance, everybody blamed it on Nancy Grace and the TV show, which what a lot of people don't know and what they didn't release was I was scheduled on the Nancy Grace show. I was in Orlando in a studio. They had reached out to her and asked her if she would come on the show as well. She denied. They told her that I was going to be on the show. She didn't want to be one-upped by me. So she actually, at the last minute, called into the Nancy Grace show to get on. And they found a whole list of questions and stuff about the Nancy Grace show. And if she was asked questions, how she was going to divert them back to her questions that she wanted to run. 
She didn't want to answer theirs. She only wanted to answer what she had wrote down. She literally had it all wrote out for the show. And that, and that is why she at one point said, I don't want to give those details out. In other words, she didn't want to talk about it. She just wanted to, that makes sense. She just wanted to put forward the information she was willing to give. Absolutely. So, okay. Nah, so now that we're on the that subject, that makes more sense to me. Uh, why do you think she did commit suicide? Um, she had multiple felony charges that that she was facing. Basically, um, law enforcement had several felony charges that they had arrest warrants that only had to be signed by judges. They were already typed up. All they had to do is have them signed by judges. They had those three days after Trenton went missing, but they failed to act on it. Were the felony charges pertaining to Trenton or were they uh, for something else? They were pertaining to Trenton's case, filing false police reports, filing false documents with the courts, um, embezzlement of money from the bank that she worked at, there, there was a ton of them that they had charges they could have charged her. And my thing to him was it's a lot easier to get answers out of a body that's not cooperating than somebody who's no longer here. So you think that she committed suicide in, because in regards because of all the uh, charges or that she it, was going to be caught or arrested or... I, that was part of it because she had gotten into the whole Korean background in a sense and, and seeing that I guess in the Korean lifestyle if if you die with honor then you're you're considered good but if you don't have that honor then you're bad and as long as she committed suicide prior to being the finger being pointed at her, she wasn't a suspect in the case. Wow. That's interesting. I didn't know that she had had, she was from South Korea, correct? Yes. She was adopted when she was four months old. Okay. I didn't know that she had gotten into her heritage or culture. Do you my have any contact she, with her family? Absolutely not. I met them one time. Her parents from New York. I met them one time, and I was blindsided by it when I done the Doctor Phil show. It was supposed to be a show about missing children, and they flew us out to L.A. And while sitting on stage, out comes her parents. I had never met them before in my life. And it was the show turned to a a show about reuniting families. And then we ended up in an airport for 10 hours with them. So how did that go? What I mean it didn't really go. I mean, it was very awkward for me. Um they they talked a little bit, but it was just more tension between everything because we were both kind of blindsided. We had never met each other, and then we're thrown on the stage in front of millions of people Yeah, in an awkward situation, and headbutt started, and that was kind of that. No real insight on, like, they – they had never met Trenton and they hadn't been involved with Melinda really for several years. So why were they on Dr. Phil? I'm not a hundred percent sure what took place as to why that show turned from a, a missing children's episode to a reuniting families when we were never united before. Hmm. Yeah, that's strange. So do you think that she, that Melinda, I mean, what, I know that it, 
it's hard right now, but do you think she could have passed him off to someone or it just boggles my mind. Like what could she have done with him? It's very possible. Um, Very possible because Trent would blend in with either nationality that he was with. If, If he was with the Asian descent, he would blend in with them. But then if he's with Caucasian, he could blend in with them because he was really a mixture there. Yeah, um, he had features of both. He can blend in in any territory, and the world's so big it it could be anywhere. Children at the age of two don't require a passport to fly, and they don't require a plane ticket either because they sit on a parent's lap. So, so by searching and, and afterwards, I mean he could have went missing two days prior or the day prior after she left her grandparents' house, he could have been gone. And we don't know that. Right. Because she's unaccounted for from the day before until what was it? 10 o'clock that night. Right. Around then. Yep. So who would, who could she have possibly passed him off to if, I mean, if we're going to go down this rabbit hole, what are your thoughts on that? I really don't know. Um, I mean, it's it's a million dollar question at this point. Like I've said before, it's it's putting the pieces of the puzzle together. I know that she had been in very close contact with my biological donor, writing letters and trying to go, trying to get it approved to take Clinton up there to see him and going behind my back for that. Um, why, she had been up there that? several times in business. Have no clue, but I know that he has pen pals all over the world. So is that a a path that he got her connected with somebody, and they became pen pals, and that's where Trenton is? I don't know, but I know he had been sending her thousands of dollars over the last year. Wow. That I don't even know what to say. Yeah. That's, that's odd. Uh, Yeah. That's, that's blowing my mind right now. I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, that's definitely, is that something that the investigators have looked into? They said that they went up, they've met with him, anything to do with, And like I told them, he may not have had anything to do with it, but he may have connected her to one of his pen pals, and he may not even know. Have you spoken to him about it? I mean, I don't defend him in any Not at all. He lied to me one too many times, and I've got nothing for him. I, I went up there shortly after me and Melinda had totally split and this whole court rival started, and... I asked him not to allow her to come in and visit. And he told me he would not visit with her and that he would, uh, he wouldn't know if it was her or who was visiting until they took him into the room where he could see out the window. But if he got in that room and seen that it was her visiting, he would ask to go back to his cell. And he did the exact opposite. He went out there and he sat down and visited with her for hours on multiple mm-hmm. occasions. Wow. That's definitely an interesting new idea or theory that could, everything surrounding this is so, I can't imagine your position being his father being Trenton's father and all of these questions, he... It's, uh, it's rough. Yeah. So how do you, how do you cope? I mean, what, what do you do? How do you handle this after all these years? It doesn't get any easier. You just learn to live with it. Um, and you go day by day. That's really all you can do. If it wasn't me, it'd be somebody else who couldn't handle it and couldn't handle the stress and the anxiety of it all. So, you know, I have family now and 
I spend time with them. We do different stuff. We, we travel some, we go camping and, you know, we do a lot of outdoor stuff and that keeps us busy. That's kind of our release to get reduced. Do you still experience news media wanting to, to talk to you? Absolutely. I done a, I actually done an interview on Monday, Tuesday, I done an interview Tuesday with a news crew. I mean, it, it never ends. There's always news media that is covering his case. They, they do updates and they do unsolved cases. I mean, there's a ton of things that go on. We have, we'll hold our candlelight vigil every year on August 27th. Every year, same spot. We've been doing it for 14 years. Now. And we still get a group of people. We still get some news coverage. And the news crews are very respectful. Well, one of one of the questions that I had was, uh, how often do you get updates on Trenton's case? Now, obviously, the media is involved, and you get some updates there. How often does the law enforcement get involved? The sheriff's office. How long? How often do you hear from them, or do you? I don't. Um, I talk to them. When we do like the candlelight vigil once a year, they may mention a few things then, but for the most part, they don't, they don't update me at all. They don't keep in contact. Um, I talk to them about like any of Trenton's belongings that were at law enforcement office. There's stuff in the evidence logs and, and various stuff that I asked them about. Um, and they brought me this huge box that I thought was going to have a lot of Trenton's belongings in it. And it had two little itty bitty things, a brand new pair of socks and a, uh, a nose suckers, one of the little teardrop nose sucker things. And that was yeah. it. It didn't have anything else in it. Um, they said there was nothing else in there that they could give me. Um, and that's really the last kind of update that I got from them. Um, and that was probably two years ago. Just, just out of curiosity, out of curiosity, what, what, mm-hmm. is, what is your best feel as to what you believe happened in Trenton? Um, based off of, what I feel and what I've seen and everything in the case, I think that he's out there somewhere. It's just like I said, putting the pieces of the puzzle together to find out where Um, it's a mile a minute in the United States. And then if it's outside, I mean, he could be hid anywhere, especially if he got outside of the United States, it's, it's a lot to get into like the Interpol. Um, I've talked to Interpol, which is the international police and he's been listed with them. So thing comes in, um, depending on the territory, it's been told to us that some of the, the different nations and the different countries, they don't abide by anything. If, if a child's been taken to another country, you basically have to go over there and kidnap your own child back and hope you make it to the U.S. Embassy before their law enforcement catches you. Wow. You know, usually in, a in lot cases, of the, the it's, it's, yeah, I, I'm amazed because usually in cases, you know, we're, we're so used to dealing with the U.S., but I guess because of where Melinda's from or where she was born, I guess you do have to take in the app that Trenton could be in a different country. I never even, you know, we talked about that, but I guess it doesn't really set in until hearing you say that. There's definitely a lot of theories as to where he could be or what could be going on. Um, I mean, like I said before, the world's a huge place and a lot of people in the world. So what are you doing now at this point to, to 
find him? Are you, are you actively, I know you're still talking to media and everything, but is there anything else that you're doing to help to search for him? Just basically anything I can do to keep his name and his info out there and keep it going. Um, it's really hard to do stuff on your own because of the law enforcement aspects block you from being able to do a lot of stuff. Um, so we just, me and my family, we try and do anything and everything we can to keep his name out there and keep stuff going as much as we can. So real quick, I just want to circle back. In the beginning, you had said that law enforcement didn't want anyone else investigating the case. Does that mean, I mean, have you ever talked to a private investigator or considered bringing in someone else to help or? We have, we've requested, um, we actually had a private investigator that was willing to do anything and everything pro bono and law enforcement said, absolutely not. They will not, they won't even allow other agencies to look at the case uh, because they want to be the ones that solve the case, I guess. And if it's somebody outside of law enforcement they, and there was a crime committed, they said they wouldn't be able to pursue charges. So they won't allow like a private investigator that's not law enforcement to even look at the case law. Wow. I can't, I can't imagine why my it honest, would be like that. In my honest opinion, I think a lot of it is worry. They're worried that if an outside source looks at the case, they're going to see all the mess ups that happened in this case. Yeah. That's a good perspective. Yeah, good perspective. I never even thought about that, but I guess if somebody else comes in, they can see some inconsistencies, maybe in how law enforcement handled everything. So real quick, what which agency is actually investigating the case? Who's in charge of it right now? Leesburg Police Department. And the FDLE or the FBI or no one else has been involved? They were involved in the very beginning and then kind of once everything died down and Melinda committed suicide, FDLE kind of slowly backed out. The FBI kind of slowly backed out and left the whole case to Leesburg Police Department. I wonder why that is. That just seems strange to me that they, I mean, even if they assumed that I'm assuming that they assumed that Melinda had done something to him and then committed suicide and there was, there was no more to do. But then on the other hand, why are they still not trying to find Trenton? Even if they don't believe he's alive, why are they still not trying to find him? I'm not a hundred percent sure on that as I, um, that's, another one of those million dollar questions they uh, they stepped out and left it all to Leesburg PD there's been numerous investigators that have been put on the case and taken off the case and put back on the case Um, probably seven or eight in the last probably 10 years that have been the lead investigators. Wow. Wow. This, this yeah, case you're is right. crazy. There, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pieces. Yeah. There's a lot of pieces of this puzzle, just like he said. Yep. Well, hopefully we can do our own, you know, our part at one of the reasons we do what we do. And I think I mentioned this to you in an email is, you know, we don't we don't make money off of this podcast. The whole reason we do this is is basically our passion for trying to help, you know, especially these unsolved cases and, and the families. We've talked to a lot of families of the missing and of murder victims and whatnot. And I just hope that my hope is that maybe someone listening here 
something might spark a memory or they may, you know, something might come of it. We can just hope. That's all we can do. And I don't think that I have any more questions. Ken, do you have anything? Well, one thing is just a quick question. And I want our listeners to know how old were you when all of this took place? I was 21 years old. Exactly. So ju- just something for you. I mean, the, I kind of admire you because at 21, um, I, I think back to when I was about that age, the, the strength that you had and, and the persistence that you had and being smart where you worked with the sheriff's office, where you were really on top of it, just kind of shows your passion and your love for Trenton. And I don't know, it just, it just seems like you, you, you were sort of an open book to everybody, whether it was Nancy Grace, Dr. Phil. I mean, I think, I think you played your part as much as possible. And if you listen to our original episode, I think there was a point where I actually physically said, I don't think you had anything to do with it. I think, I think you were, you are a victim too in this case. And for that, I mean, I, I have to admire you because you kind of held yourself together. And I think you were really one of those that just kind of put yourself out like, Hey, I'm not involved in this. I want to find my son. I don't care what happened. I just want to know what happened. And I, I just want to tell you that, you know, I kind of admire you for that. Cause at that age, that, that takes a lot from somebody, you know, and what you had to go through was quite a bit to change, you know, to change sort of yourself. And, you know, now you got to kind of hide your family and you sort of, you know, kind of go in the shadows. And I just got to say that I admire you for that. And I'm really sad because you are truly a victim in this too, along with Trent. Thank you. Um, yeah, it hasn't been easy. It's It was very difficult, you know, being through all the families that I've met. I'm one of the youngest parents that had went through this and had such a large scale case. And it does take a toll on you. I, I met a lot of great people through all this that have helped me along the way. I basically became the spokesperson for my family and for Trenton. And I stuck with that. I I didn't care what it took. I didn't care how many hours it took me to, to get stuff done. I was going to do anything and everything that I can to keep his name, keep everything going and just do anything and everything I can to bring him home. And I'm going to continue to do that. It doesn't matter what time of day or night, if, if I can do something that's going to bring his name to the limelight and get his info out there one more time, I'm going to do it. And to me, that's my job that that's all to do. And in the beginning, when it all first took place, my thoughts were, I, I've seen stories and I've heard stories on the news where, Law enforcement always looks at family, especially in the child custody case and with parents. And then a child goes missing. They always have to focus on the parents at first. And my goal was I need to clear my name as fast as possible, prove to them I didn't have anything to do with it and disclose all my information up front so that they can focus on where Trenton is and focus on what really needs to be focused on. Every little bit that helps, um, I mean, every little bit that keeps his name out there, you know, and a lot of the drive is to find him and to bring him home and knowing that there's other families out there that have this same cause that they're fighting for and to know how many people are touched by the different scenarios and the different cases that go on. Um, I mean, I went to New York City not long after Trent went missing. I went up there. And we were eating at a restaurant and a lady come up to me and her son had been watching Trenton's case from day one. And she recognized us as we were there. And she actually approached us and said she knew exactly who I was and wanted to bring her son to meet me if I would meet him because he he knew every detail about the case. And he was only like six years old. Really? Um, and he actually brought me a letter. Yeah. He, he, she said he was fascinated with watching the, the story. 
and he brought me a letter that he had wrote and he gave me all of the change out of his piggy bank to help with the search for Trent. Oh, that's so sweet. And I still have the letter. You know, we have tons of stuff that people have mailed us from literally all over the United States. The, uh, we've gotten Build-A-Bears that people have sent and um, had made that they put recordings in. Um, I have a, a quilt that was made by uh, a quilt group that has all of the photos that were in the news of Trenton, all of the photos that were released. They took each one of them and had them printed on a piece of fabric and made a huge quilt out of them. Um, So there are a lot of people that have reached out over the years that continue to fight the fight just like us. That's awesome. I'm I'm glad that you have that. Support. Yeah, it's it's nice. So, what if if anybody has information, or if anybody thinks that they saw something, or has any tips, who should they contact? Um, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children would probably be the best. Um, they take in a lot of the leads and stuff and disperse them to. Uh, law enforcement offices and the FBI, FTLE, all of them. All right, Josh. Well, thank you so much. And we'll be thinking about you and just wish you all the best. If there's ever anything that we can do, if you want to, if you get information, you want to do an update, we're always open to talking more and putting more information out there. If anything comes about. All righty. Awesome. Sounds great. All right. Well, Thank you very much. God bless you. And um, have a good thanks night. Thanks for talking to us tonight. All right. You too. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, everyone. That's going to be it for tonight. Yep. We are actually going to be releasing a part three where Ken and I discuss all of the uh, new information we learned from our, from this interview and maybe some of our theories and put some questions out there to the universe. So if you'd like to hear that, please subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com backslash Paradise After Dark Podcast. Yeah, and use those discounts Lauren talked about at the beginning of the show to check out our Etsy store for some awesome Paradise After Dark gear. Please make sure to follow us on social media at Paradise After Dark Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and at Paradise Dark 239 on Twitter. And you can email us at Paradise After Dark Podcast at gmail.com. And please make sure to subscribe to the show on whatever platform you're listening on and rate and review. This really helps us branch out and reach a wider audience. And again, thank you everyone for listening to Paradise After Dark. Dark, dark, dark.